Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, Prime Minister Trudeau and U.S. President Biden prepare to unveil a plan to rebuild the relationship between the two countries. I think that it's, it's all going to be positive. I don't see any areas of negativity unless there is a, some kind of uh, vaccine diplomacy is played and, and, and America uh, starts to say that some of the suppliers who we've signed contracts with will not be sending uh, vaccine to Canada. The Liberal cabinet abstains from a vote declaring a genocide in China. Justin Trudeau and his cabinet refused to vote. In fact, Mr. Trudeau and most of his team did not even show up. Their coordinated absence speaks volumes. And a record number of COVID-19 vaccine doses is expected to arrive in Canada this week. The Prime Minister's assured all the Premiers as of last Thursday we had our most recent call that uh, we can prepare for a big influx and we're all excited about that obviously. It's Tuesday, February 23rd. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by Susan Delacorte, columnist for the Toronto Star. Susan, thank you for being with us. Thanks for having me, Mark. What do you expect when the Prime Minister and the U.S. President meet this afternoon? It's it's going to be a lengthy meeting, and there are others who will be involved, members of Cabinet. Uh, so it's it's a hefty bilateral meeting with a big agenda. What do you think is going to happen? Well, there's one word that uh, that they seem to be telegraphing in advance on both sides of the border, and it's the word roadmap, which is actually an odd word when you think about it, because nobody's traveling these days between the two countries. <laughs> True. Um, the border's but, closed. Uh, for the foreseeable future. Yeah. I think, um, I guess they're, you know, they don't tend to have these meetings until there's something to announce. So... We'll be looking for, I guess, any sign that, first of all, there's going to be cooperation of a greater kind between Canada and the United States on vaccines and fighting COVID and that closed border you mentioned there. It was interesting, Joe Biden and and Trudeau took part in a G7 meeting late last week, and then Biden, because everything's virtual, uh, did that virtually actually physically got on a plane and went to Kalamazoo and went to Pfizer there. And as people will remember, Canada has had its eyes on that vaccine plant in Michigan because it would be a lot easier, in many people's view, if we were getting our vaccines from the United States, not Europe, which is filled with complications. I don't know that anything's going to be announced on that today, but I think we are going to be looking for ways in which North America will be a unit of some kind, not just economically, but also in this um, in this fight against COVID. During the last year of Trump, we saw for various reasons, Canada and the United States were going two very, very different ways in, in fighting COVID. And I think this is an idea of sort of putting it back together. Uh, also, uh, they're going to Huge talks on climate. It's not an accident that Jonathan Wilkinson is taking part. Um, uh, There was some word yesterday that they'd be talking about electric cars. So I would expect, again, that the whole theme is that Canada and the United States are one. Uh, They're back. America is back, is what uh, Joe Biden has been going around saying. And the friendship between Biden and Trudeau, that will be... That will be front and center. And there's going to be a color story, too, about Kamala. She's taking part in this. She has family here. She went to school here. 
So I would imagine that there'll be there'll be a little color story about the vice president participating in this meeting. Now, not all is perfect, of course, in the relationship. I know the tone will be better between Trudeau and Biden for a number of reasons um, uh, compared to the previous White House administration. Um, but there are issues. Are, are there contentious points that are that are going to be aired during this meeting? Uh, one would hope so. Uh, chief among them is by American. As long as Joe Biden is is adhering to these by American policies, he can't say that he's Canada's best friend, and that could really hurt. Um, while that's done for domestic consumption, that can really hurt Canada. So I would imagine there'll be talk about uh, by American for sure. There will also there will I don't think we're going to hear them talk about the Keystone Pipeline. Joe Biden, one of his first acts was to cancel that pipeline. Trudeau has spoken to him about it twice. I don't think they want to dwell on that today because I don't think Canada sees any point in pursuing that further. But climate plans and uh, that they will. Uh, Also, the big, big item on the agenda, and I noticed Canadian officials have been also telegraphing this, is I think they want something out of Biden today about what we're going to do about the two Michaels in China. Uh, Joe Biden isn't going to come to the press conference with a magical key to get them out of there, but they certainly want uh, they want some strong statement from Canada and the United States about the detention of the two Michaels going well past two years now. And China, as we saw yesterday in our own House of Commons, is a very freighted topic in international diplomacy today. Yeah, let's talk about that. Uh, Yesterday, of course, there was this vote declaring a parliament, declaring a genocide in China against the Uyghur minority, and the Liberal cabinet abstained from that vote. But Liberal MPs uh, who were not in Cabinet did vote in favour of the motion. It passed uh, without any votes against it. Uh, So, first of all, what do you make of the dynamics that went into that outcome? The decision, obviously, by the Prime Minister's office that the Cabinet would abstain, but that backbenchers would not be uh, discouraged from voting in favour of the motion. Yeah, there are all kinds of interesting divisions, and it's really... It's really important to pay attention to the divisions on this. As, um, the, the, I don't think I've ever seen a vote in which all of the MPs for the governing party voted one way and the cabinet voted another way. That was interesting. Um, the other division that I think we have to bear in mind, and certainly the the liberal government is trying to get us to keep in mind, is... There are domestic politics and there are international politics. So for domestic reasons, for, um, for all, and, and for, for good principled reasons too, most of the liberals, all of the liberals, went along with the conservatives on the motion to declare this a genocide. It, uh, what is going on with the Uyghurs and uh, the Muslim minority in China is a genocide. The Conservatives aren't the only ones who've said it. Joe, uh, Bob Ray, down at the United Nations back in November, asked the United Nations to investigate that as well. The Cabinet is saying, we have a complicated relationship with China. It's more complicated to be in government and declare something a genocide. That sets in motion international uh, conventions, etc. 
and sanctions, and they are, you know, this is a game of three-dimensional chess with with China. We're, we've got a decision on Huawei to make. We have got the two Michaels being held there, and the government is tiptoeing it around or dancing, I guess, doing the diplomatic dance with China, and yeah. allowing the MPs to do a vote, which basically has no. Um, no consequences. It, right. it makes people feel good to have said it, but it, it's not going to change anything. But does it put the prime minister in an awkward spot uh, in terms of his relationship with China and trying to resolve the issue of the two Michaels? I think he's already in an awkward spot. I think he uh, certainly China has reacted and saying this is ridiculous. It's been regularly lambasting megaphone diplomacy, et cetera, et cetera. But I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not really sure that the prime minister is in an awkward spot, and I'm not really sure that these stories of a big division in liberal ranks are true either. I think this was done quite consciously by the liberals, maybe trying to be too clever by half. China's not going to be fooled by it. But, but to have the, the MPs go one way and the cabinet maintain a diplomatic silence it, it, it's that's mostly for domestic consumption i think all right just quickly as we wrap up susan uh, what are your thoughts on the vaccine rollout this week we're expecting hundreds of thousands of doses to arrive in canada uh, there are questions about how effectively and quickly they'll be deployed across the country uh, there is evidence that's showing the vaccine rollout is hurting the Prime Minister's standings and the Liberal Party's fortunes in public opinion. Uh, so what do you think about how big a week this is on that front? I think uh, March and the significant rollout of the vaccines is uh, what the Liberals are hoping and, and actually counting on, that uh, a week is a long time in politics and that once people start seeing the vaccines, the evidence is from other countries but people are talking about reopening now. You know, Britain's talking about crowded football fields again in uh, in the summer. That that people will forget all of this too. I think a lot hinges on the next few weeks. But as far as I can tell from watching the you know the provincial news conferences across the country, they're getting ready for something big. My own mother got vaccinated on the weekend, um, so I think. It's it's the 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 political dimension of this is that that this month of despair and it has been brutal with the vaccine delays will be quickly forgotten when people get that you know metaphoric and literal shot in the arm. Yeah. All right, Susan. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. That's Susan Delacourt, columnist for the Toronto Star. Justin Trudeau and his cabinet refused to vote. In fact, Mr. Trudeau and most of his team did not even show up. Their coordinated absence speaks volumes. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In an editorial, the Toronto Star argues the Liberal government must stop trying to have it both ways on China. The Star writes, The government clearly doesn't want to poke a stick in the eye of the Chinese government and further inflame Ottawa's frayed relationship with Beijing. In particular, it doesn't want to make things even worse for the two Michaels. But Michael Kovrig and Michael Spavor have now been held for 806 days and counting, and their release is nowhere in sight. By stifling itself on human rights issues, 
The government is giving Beijing evidence that diplomatic hostage-taking works. In the Ottawa Citizen, Arthur Milnes argues Justin Trudeau's meeting with Joe Biden is worth its weight in gold. Milnes writes, Biden's gesture in making Trudeau the first foreign leader he sees privately sends a message that will be noticed in many capitals around the globe. But it doesn't mean that Trudeau won't have more work to do. As Lester B. Pearson wrote, we should exhibit an understanding of the burden of international responsibility borne by the United States. As American difficulties increase, we should resist any temptation to become smug and superior. Wise words, and understanding them, is a key to success in navigating Canada-U.S. relations. In the Globe and Mail, Colin Robertson argues Canada has been without a U.S. ambassador for too long. Robertson writes, The U.S. ambassador matters because he or she holds the sole presidential appointment where the job is to think about Canada 24 hours a day. With their Canadian counterpart in Washington, they are the quarterbacks in the field. When the U.S. ambassador weighs in, things get done. Justin Trudeau should encourage the president to name his new ambassador as quickly as possible. The next ambassador will not solve our problems, but he or she will be a key player in managing our most important and complex relationship. Now, here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. The parliamentary budget officer will release a report today on how much the federal government may be liable for to compensate for delaying and denying equal services to First Nations children. CPAC's Martin Stringer has more. Mark, Parliamentary Budget Officer Yves Giroux at 9am will release on his website another report dealing with the ongoing battle between First Nations and the federal government concerning the unequal treatment First Nations children have received when taken into the child welfare system. Years ago, the Canadian Human Rights Tribunal ordered the federal government to pay compensation when it determined that Ottawa had discriminated against First Nations children when it removed them from their families and placed them in social services which were funded less than provincial agencies for non-Indigenous children. The tribunal ordered Ottawa to pay up to 44,000 now-grown children up to $40,000 each for that discrimination. Ottawa has defied numerous compliance orders from the tribunal. Now, one argument Ottawa gave was that the cost in compensating those First Nations children has just been too exorbitant. Well, last year, the Parliamentary Budget Officer produced a report in which he disagreed with the federal government's claim of the cost of the compensation. Ottawa had argued it would cost $5.4 billion. Yves Giroux calculated the cost at closer to $2.9 billion. Ottawa still has not begun repayment. In today's report, Monsieur Giroux will look at how much the government, in theory, owes those Indigenous children for its continued delays and denial of payment for what they are owed. Thanks, Martin. Also today, the Prime Minister will speak with the Prime Minister of Israel ahead of his virtual bilateral meeting with the President of the United States, along with Deputy Prime Minister Christy Freeland and Foreign Affairs Minister Marc Garneau. An expanded meeting with the U.S. President will follow, where they will be joined by several ministers, including Defense Minister Harjit Sajjan, Natural Resources Minister Seamus O'Regan, and Minister of Public Safety Bill Blair. The Prime Minister will then deliver a joint statement with the U.S. President. And NDP leader Jagmeet Singh will hold a news conference in Ottawa. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Tuesday, February 23rd. Tune in to Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.